Welcome back, Intimates. I'm excited to find you experts to talk about love, connection, non-monogamy, polyamory, relationship anarchy, group sex, kink, commitment, and lots of other intimacy and relationship topics. Let's live our best lives together by unlearning stigma and getting clear on what we really want. Don't know what to ask for? I have loads of ideas for you. Of course, none of this would be possible without the support of my amazing Patreon supporters or my current hosts, the Musqueam First Nation on whose unceded lands this podcast was made and this human was born. If you want to support more intimate interactions, you can say thank you by supporting us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Patreon supporters also get every episode of the podcast ad-free with short intros and outros. I know funds are not an option for some of you lovely humans, but don't fret, there are other ways you can help out. You can help make more intimate interactions by just telling someone you listen to this podcast. Or if you're feeling especially generous, you can share a link to an episode you like and discuss it with a friend or partner, or even leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting site. Help other humans interested in more intimacy and better relationships find us. If you have your own podcast, shout us out. Need a podcast guest? Email offers to podcast at victorsalmon.com. I love talking about relationships and intimacy, and I love cross-promotion and working with other podcasters. Okay, let's hear about today's episode. Billy is back with more hard-hitting content. Her dark humor is on point as always, and we do our best to laugh with each other about our situations and at ourselves, which is especially impressive in her case since she's in EDS or Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome um, veteran of 10 years with other conditions like postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome or POTS. We talk about chronic illness, challenges, pain, having one's condition taken seriously, all the usual stuff. We also talk about psilocybin and cannabis this session, as well as other medications. And we touch on premenstrual dysphoric disorder or PMDD, content warning for graphic descriptions. We joke about the early medical establishment, hysteria, masturbation, and other topics. I hate when people say that, oh, well, you don't seem depressed. And that's something that Mm -hmm. people would say to me, too, because I'm super bubbly and I handle all my problems in a bubbly way. It's just who I am, Mm -hmm. right? Like my physiotherapist, she's like, the worst thing about Billy is that half the time you can not figure out how she's actually feeling because she comes in and she's laughing and she's smiling (laughs) and then all of a sudden you hear like a super depressed sentence and you're like oh (laughs) like hold up what was that (laughs) when I wear my shirt to physiotherapy that says I'm dead inside (laughs) I like how at a certain point you just have to laugh at it I mean you kind of do like my dark humor has saved me so many times I swear like, it is hard to find, like, a purpose to live when you're not well, right? Like, it's, I sure. mean, what am I doing? I play video games and smoke weed. What do you do? <laughs> but, like, so. There are plenty of people who do that, though. Like, you're not the only it's one. true. They do that because they want to. <laughs> I do it because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> right? Like, um, mm-hmm. uh, like one thing that I'm actually trying right now is, I don't know if I can have this on the podcast or not, but it doesn't really matter. Um, I got accepted into an experimental psilocybin program. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So it's supposed to help with my depression and migraines. And, um, 
yeah, like, and chronic pain, it says, which is surprising. I just, like, I, I've heard a lot about the mental health aspects of psychedelics. Right, um, right. And migraines and cluster headaches, which is, like, what really brought me into it. Um, but, yeah, apparently there's, they said that there's been study, like, the actual group running it sent me some stuff about chronic pain. And I was like, oh. like That's, that's so cool. I never heard yeah, of that. Yeah, me neither. And basically all I had to do was send pictures of my multiple prescription bottles and like a bunch of information about my diagnoses. And they were just like, yeah, you're a good candidate. I'm like, sweet. Um, so I actually did a large dose before I got accepted into the program because I do this mm, every few months or so when my migraines get to the point where my medication can't handle them. So I'm mm -hmm. on uh, the nortriptyline as a preventative. And then I'm on Relpax, uh, which is elatriptin, which the triptans are, you know, like Ivitrex, that kind of stuff. Uh, are I know I know some things about them, but not lots. Yeah, so they're, they're basically uh, you have a very small window to take them in, but you have to be getting a migraine for it to work. Like you have to be like in that hmm. stage to get them in your system and have them work, and. I've been lucky. Relpax has worked super well for me. It's one of the newer triptans. Um, so, so, th and these meds, like if I didn't have medical, I would not be able to take these because they are twenty five dollars per pill. So that is insanely expensive. It is unreasonable. Like I can't imagine somebody without extended medical having migraines. Like, I, I just can't imagine. It. Right. But uh, so like, that's what I have. And I can only get 12 a month because insurance caps it at that. They figure more than that. It's too expensive. So I actually have to cut them into pieces so that I have enough to get me through a month. So once I get to the point where I don't even have enough to get me to the end of the month, I trip. <laughs> so yeah, a couple, two weeks ago, I guess I grab some headphones and a sleep mask and ate two grams and just floated off in space for a while. <laughs> and then I've had one migraine since. So that's, that's pretty cool. Five a week. That's really cool. Yes. I'm very excited. Um, so the idea is with this new program that I'm in is that you take very, very small amounts twice a week and it's supposed to help kind of continue that effect, like the, the to prevent the migraines from coming back. So like, it's amazing the information they sent me and like a dosing schedule and like how much to increase by, like this was more detailed than anything I've ever received from any of my doctors <laughs> at mm. all. It was amazing. So basically every Tuesday and Friday, I take a little, like these little pills and like, you, you don't even notice it. Like I, I get kind of happy, I guess, for most of the day. So today mm -hmm. I've been like, even in the pool, I was kind of like bopping. I was like, <laughs> like, That's great. Which is awesome because a lot of the time lately I have been so depressed and it's just like trying to get out of those, the like, you know, spin of thoughts that you get when you're going through that. It's to have oh, something yeah. to just break that. And then I could just like enjoy things. 
So I'm really hoping I, I get to be in, in the program for as long as I want. Um, and they said, like, just, like, get yourself to a level that you feel comfortable where you're, like, not being affected by it, but it's helping. Um, so, yeah, I'm super excited. I'm two weeks in, and I'm pretty happy about it. I'm so excited for you. Like, that's fucking amazing to go from, when you said five a week down to like one since the last time that you dosed. Exactly. That's, that's incredible. Yesterday, I was preparing for one because I'm sure you noticed yesterday's weather. It was like pouring Mm -hmm. and then it was sunny and then it was pouring and then it was gray. And I was just sitting there being like, my head is going to break at any second now. And it never Oof, just from the pressure. Yep. Like, and normally, like, I would be curled up in a ball, like, going to sleep for the afternoon. But I actually, like, was fine yesterday. Just had a pretty normal day. I actually slept last night, which is surprising. So, that's great. You got seven hours of Honestly, sleep. you got seven hours of sleep. That's, yeah. that's great. I, I've been finding myself fighting myself on going to um, medications against which I have a lot of stigma. So things like um, um, CBD oils. I mean, there's just no reason why I wouldn't have tried those for the chronic pain I experienced. There's absolutely no reason, except there was such a concerted and consistent propaganda campaign when I was younger, you know, telling me why I should not take that. Yeah. And the fact is, like, I'm not just going out and smoking casually because I don't have anything to do or not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but it, it's not just like I'm taking this choice without due consideration and years, years of trying to get the medical establishment to do something for yes. me. Exactly. Like it's, it's just like so many years of my life. I, I've literally had this condition for as long as I can remember, for as long as I've been alive, I think. And it's just gotten progressively worse throughout my life. And I'm at this place now where I'm at the best mental health I've ever been at, um, in part due to the medications I'm on, which is great. And also, it hasn't addressed the IBS or underlying chronic pain or headache issue that I have. So it's like, why the fuck am I not taking psilocybin? Like, I've seen the research and there's not a lot of it, but there is some. Yeah. It's like not without merit well the first doctor that ever prescribed my medical marijuana to me um, is one of the top doctors in canada when it comes to the not so used drugs so like he is huge on the right. psilocybin campaign and and medical cannabis like i've known him all my life he's watched me kind of he's a family friend so he's watched me kind of get worse over the years mm-hmm. And he was just like, I know this is kind of like, <laughs> he's like, I know this is kind of like a gray area. It's like, I'm a family friend, but I think that I should fill out the medical marijuana paperwork for you. He's like, I think you need to try it and see what happens. And like, he was the first person mm-hmm. that ever said to me, like, well, you do it occasionally once a month at a party or whatever. Like, why not have it as a tool in your medical toolbox? Right. So I'm like, hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I never really thought about it like that because, like you said, when we were kids, like the egg commercial, where it's like, this is your brain. Right. This is your brain on drugs. You know, you're like, right. Oh my God, if I smoke marijuana, my brain will fall apart. 
<laughs> right. Like I'll, I'll lose my edge and like my edge is the one thing that gives me a sense of self-esteem because it's like the one way people value me in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. So, and every medication has its side effects when you think about it. Like there's drugs that I've been on that aren't like narcotics and stuff that have made me feel weirder than like just smoking some weed. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like some muscle relaxants and stuff that I've had have been pretty heavy duty and made me pretty loopy. I'm, I'm pretty tolerant of most things now. My body's kind of just like, yeah, try another one. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, like I just, we, we've been told for so many years, like how dangerous mm-hmm. it is. And then when you actually start looking into it, it's all racism. Right. Like when it comes to the marijuana, like hatred, it was all because in the States, it was growing popularity between the blacks and Hispanics. And that caused a problem. That's what they didn't like. So they regulated it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy to me that anyone thinks that there isn't at least some role for racism in that. When you think about it, why else would something as harmless as cannabis be a schedule one drug more dangerous to the American public supposedly than crystal meth? Yeah. Like that's absurd. Uh huh. Yeah. Like if you start looking really it's- deep into it and I talked about this with my friend, the doctor, and he actually gave me a lot of this info because he's like, you know, you probably just have that stigma about it. And I was like, I definitely do. <laughs> like, as a teenager, right. I was, like, never going to be one of those kids. I was, you know, never try anything in my life. And to this day, I haven't done other drugs. Like, I've smoked weed, and I've done mushrooms. And that's it. And both were for medical reasons. <laughs> like, you know, I, I believed the rhetoric, and I stuck to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so... Like once, that's been me as well. Yeah. Like once I started having these issues and there weren't answers and like the more you read about Ellers Danlos and like the weird things it can cause and all this other stuff, it's just, you have to be really careful with the medications you get too. Cause like I said, like for my heart, they had to give me a heart medication that wouldn't affect my blood pressure and stuff like that. Like it's mm-hmm. a very, very delicate balance when it comes to finding things that EDS is tolerable with and i mean the only problem that you can have from having too much cannabis is like sometimes it dulls your um cannabinoid system right because now you're you're giving it cannabis instead of actually letting yourself do it but that reverses pretty quickly when you stop doing it so like i used to take tolerance breaks right now i can't it's Mm -hmm. not fathomable until after surgery. Right. But like I used to do tolerance breaks. So like, you know, you don't smoke for a couple weeks and then all of a sudden it's like, you've never smoked before. And you're like, 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 where did this come from? So like, it's, it's just such a harmless thing. Only thing that happens is I get kind of silly. Right. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it's not, I would take that over pain any day. It's not damaging my organs. It's not, it's not like, opiates that are attacking my liver and kidneys currently no it's mm-hmm. it's just you, you get stoned <laughs> like literally but um like i'm un- unfortunately for me can like i can't just do cbd on its own i do have to have the thc aspect just because all of my pain 
is not necessarily um, inflammation. And CBD is really helpful with inflammation. So yeah, when I'm having digestive issues and stuff like that, 100%, I will take higher doses of CBD. But when it comes to my joint pain Mm -hmm. and like weird things, then I have to have THC. Otherwise, it doesn't bring in that pain control aspect. They work together. All, all the like, there's so many different ones inside cannabis, right? But CBD and THC, they really work well together. I believe that, yeah. And like, even um, the CBD pills that I was buying for my husband, his back has been hurting, as mm-hmm. it still has one milligram of THC, not enough to do anything to you, but enough that that CBD right. has a little bit to activate off of. Right. Got it. Yeah. So like I, I try to stay towards what's called full spectrum CBD oils, which means it's not a plant that only does CBD. Like for example, Charlotte's web, the drug that was, um, like it was a specific strain of cannabis that was bred to breed out THC and only has CBD because it was for a little girl named Charlotte who had seizures. And it completely stopped her. She, she was having like a hundred seizures a day. And it Jesus. She stopped having seizures when they made oil with the Charlotte's web. Well, that's cute. I mean, it's not cute. She was having seizures, but it's cute that like a little girl's well, because she had access to medicine her brain needed. Yeah. So like her, her, her parents obviously got in a lot of trouble. Um, Cause there was a lot of, you're giving a kid cannabis, but it all started because these these brothers grew a whole bunch of cannabis and none of it had THC. And they were like, well, what are we going to do with this? Throw it out? Like, scrap it? Right. <laughs> and um, then this family was like, hold on, you have CBD plants. We need CBD for our kid. Can we teamwork this? And it like, somehow it all worked together. And then they actually started marketing it for lots of people. Like, it's helped many people with epilepsy um Hmm. so like there's definite other medical uses for it too especially cbd because there's no psychoactive prop like anything with cbd right so the the mind risks aren't there like because you can't like if you're under 20 you can't have marijuana like seriously it is not good for you once you're once it's, you're an adult and you've formed all those brain pathways, then it's fine. Which, and I mean, technically they don't stop forming until you're 25, abouts. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying not to judge folks that that use stigmatized drugs just because I'm realizing how much misinformation I've been exposed to, and it's it's. I'm always happy when I hear friends doing well, but it's like so. Do you do you remember the moments before you decided to take drugs for mental wellness and after? Like, what do you mean? Like, is that like was it? Do you remember but when you were first considering taking a mental health drug, or do you not take drugs for mental health? Technically, none of them are supposed to be for mental health. Interesting. Yeah, um, my doctor seems to think that I can just handle everything. <laughs> that's um that's much worse yeah i I hear that um femmes get that sometimes where doctors are like oh you know this is just like normal for a woman and they just don't give you the drugs you need which is bullshit yeah and uh, there's so much stigma when it comes to women 
trying to get medical access to be honest like everything gets roped off as women troubles like oh well all women go through it so forget it but like maybe we should wonder why all women have to go through it (laughs) right why not why not try and reduce the issue rather than right and yeah like like i was telling you it's such a balancing act with my meds even um i was taking really high doses of naproxen because my doctor told me to okay um but I have ulcer history, so I've had to stop And naproxen again. just, it just doesn't play well with a lot of other medications. Like, you pretty much can't take any other NSAIDs if you're taking naproxen. Yeah, it's a mean one, that's for sure. But I've also heard that for fems, well, people who, I shouldn't say fems, I should say for people who have uteruses, um, when they're having period cramps, if they're relatively healthy otherwise, taking naproxen, I've heard, can be like this really cool NSAID that actively targets period cramps for some people who have uteruses. Yeah, it, it definitely can help. I was on, I'm, naproxen wasn't really a big thing when I first started having issues in that regard. Um and this is all kind of things that once I got my EDS diagnosis, everything kind of started piecing together. Female hormones uh, exist to make a body, a woman's body lax, right? Like if you think about pregnancy, you mm-hmm. all of a sudden get swarmed with progesterone, which is usually what women get swarmed with during their period as well. Right. And what does it do? It relaxes hips. It smooths things out. So what happens when I go through that? I fall apart. <laughs> that so, sucks. Yeah. I have to take birth control and I have to take it back to back like three months continuously and then have one period and go through absolute hell and then do it again. Because everything starts dislocating. Jesus. I will dislocate my fingers. I will dislocate wrists doing very basic things. And I'm like, ah. But mm-hmm. I had... PMDD. So there's PMS, premenstrual syndrome, where you get mm-hmm. hormonal, crampy, bloated, etc. I was actually experiencing mm-hmm. PMDD, which is premenstrual dysphoria disorder. So I mm-hmm. was getting actively suicidal every time I got my period. I was having extremely heavy ones. Uh, one time I had one for 28 days. Which at that point, wow, it's not a period anymore. That's just a month. Yeah, like bad to the point where I got anemic. It started to actually affect my health in more than just the mental aspect. So that's mm-hmm. why I've been on birth control since I was such a young kid because my body and me and my hormones don't get along. Um, so that's like, and I noticed that too, and it's so such a strange thing that when I go off birth control though I am occasionally suicidal regularly it's tenfold like Mm -hmm. it's like I get my period and I can't live like I can't do it like it's it's such a strange feeling because you're sitting there and it's like two personalities at the same time because you're going come on this is just because you're going through your period it's just hormones stop it and then the other part of you is like, why am I alive? Why am I here? What is this happening for? I don't want to be here anymore. And it's just like back and forth, back and forth, of like trying to rationalize yourself out of the depression. And like it would, and then because it's like dysphoria disorder, you know, like I, 
everything was too much and everything was wrong. And, and it was just unrationalizable. Like I couldn't fix it. And then I go on birth control. And since now I only get my period every three months, I right. get a little bit of that. But my hormones don't have the chance to go as high as they would when like I'm naturally going through the swing. Because when you're on birth control, you're giving yourself a baseline every single day is the same. This much progesterone, this much estrogen every single day. Right. Whereas normally a female would go through 28 days roughly of changes where you would go. Sure, sure. Um, sorry, people with uteruses. Uh, like you would go, yeah. you'd start growing estrogen, 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 and then estrogen starts dropping and progesterone comes in and it starts climbing. And that switch mm -hmm. in your brain is hard. Like it's, you're, that's when you get the mushy feelings and babies are cute and <laughs> all that stuff, right? right? You're like, oh, <laughs> I don't mind those things now because <laughs> your hormones are telling you to do that. And so, like, men are kind of lucky because they just kind of go through constant cycles. Whereas women, it's like each day is a different day. Oh, right. So, it's just kind of weird how, like, hormones yeah. interact. I feel like... I feel like my cycles are on more of like a three month time window than like a 28 day time window. Yeah. And then like, uh, apparently I was reading this kind of interesting article also about apparently why women hold on to things for longer and, and get built up anger and all that kind of stuff is because interesting. Men, men will cycle things like in 15 minutes. They'll go through the process of it. Like if you like, you know, or X, Y, your body says, this is this, 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 and you're able to move through it. Whereas to us, it's like a shot through the heart. You know, a woman could say like, blah, blah, like an offhand comment. And like people with XY will move past that. Whereas people XX would be like, I'm upset by this and I'm going to be upset by this for a long time. And we stick it, we memorize it and we just overly like, it's all hormonal in how we interpret these situations with other humans, which I find so weird. I mean, it, it could be hormonal for sure. And, and there's absolutely a hormonal component. I also want to hold space for the notion that a lot of like people socialized as women um, aren't really told to speak what they're thinking. Exactly. Like if you don't voice the feelings that you're having and you don't, you aren't allowed to be angry. Right. Cause you can't be angry. You don't want to be a bitch. You don't want to be bossy. You don't want to tell people what to do. So it's like all of this gendered programming yeah, is like, like preventing. When, when, yeah, when we upset someone, I was like, Oh, I was just trying to help. Not I was trying to right. help. Why do we have to put just in there? Why do I have to say, Oh, I was just trying to help. Why can't I just say, I was, I was trying to help. And then you say, okay, well, it wasn't helpful. Like, why can't that happen? No, but women have to go, oh, sorry, that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. No, that makes me uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> right. But we've, I, absolutely for it. I am like so conditioned. I do that all the time. Yeah. Just little inferences so that people know that I'm not being aggressive at them. I'm just, eh, right. eh, eh. but. And I mean, I, 
I wouldn't be too jealous of how men manage their feelings. I mean, it's fair to be jealous of how men get treated and how their feelings get treated oh, <laughs> because yeah. it's kind of bullshit how much more... Right. Like men just get typically respected when they have a feeling. It's like, cool, like that person's angry and wants change. They're expressing their feelings in a gendered appropriate way. Therefore, they're valid feelings. Yeah. Whereas even when when people socialize as women express their feelings in a gendered appropriate way, the gendered appropriate way is to, um, you know, express them couched in extremely feminine um you know, nurturing qualities like, oh, I was only trying to help. Like, it has to be for that reason. There's no other reason why you're allowed to hurt someone. It just, yeah. yeah. So, like, it it makes perfect sense to me that like that some some people socialize women would really struggle with oh, with feelings and yeah. especially if you can't be angry because anger is such an important feeling. Even if it's if you have to be really mindful of how you express that anger, right? Like, yeah, you don't yell at like, someone or and they're saying like it's like oh well, you know, you're angry, you're deranged now, you're hysterical. Hate that word. Hate that word. It's like my uterus is comfortably situated in my body. I promise it is not wandering. (laughs) I promise this is not because of my uterus. And then secretly, wait, am am I feeling hormonal right now? No, no, it is not because of that. I am on birth control. I am fully regulated. These hormones are exactly the same. (laughs) I am upset for other reasons. Yes, I have taken my uterus out of the equation. Like, yeah, like, oh my god. And the fact that they came up with masturbation as a way to fix hysteria just cracks me up. Like, oh, you just realized Hilarious. that women were just wound up because they weren't getting what they want? Like, oh, hmm, go figure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you just need this tool and you just turn a crank. Like, <laughs> the very first That's time hilarious. Ever best thing ever my dad owns one of those i don't know if you've ever seen it before <laughs> it's called a, that he it has literally um, on the side it says blood circulator okay amazing and it was a doctor's tool doctors bought these right. for these offices and you literally turn a crank and a pump goes up and down okay and it's basically like the manual magic wand that's hilarious and women used to go to the doctor when they had hysterics and the doctor would take the tool Mm -hmm. and fix the hysterics right and until doctors became really sick of being high-paid prostitutes basically and pleasuring all of these like frustrated wound up housewives that's the other thing like how did nobody just pick up that you could do that at home (laughs) Hey, men, if you pay attention yeah. to what she wants, <laughs> she's not going to go get the yeah. doctor to take care of it. Right. I, I wonder I wonder exactly why it was that, uh, that, um, that doctors made the transition, but at some point they clearly made the transition to, like, you need to go and take care of this yourself. Well, I mean, if there's enough patients needing it, turning that crank all day might get painful. Right. You might start getting issues with your wrists. I can see Purple that. tunnel, you know. like it just cracks me up like there's so many things when it comes to the uterus having side of things that like you look at history and you're like why didn't you just freaking ask (laughs) right instead of inferring what they were all thinking just be like hey what's going on with you totally but no 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 if they had feelings and opinions it was all hysterics so forget that course forget that no wonder no wonder we're all like 
just so many. So everyone who's not a white man is angry right now. <laughs> like, I know yeah. white men that are angry. <laughs> okay, like, I... Sure, sure, who doesn't? Like, honestly, my dad, it's so cute. He's like, I am done with white men. <laughs> He's like, I'm sick of them. I was like, uh, dad, slight problem. <laughs> He's like, I know I'm one of them, but I don't have to think like that. Perfect. But did you did you see the meme that was like most requested sex act of 2020 is a heterosexual man being like, tell me I'm one of the good ones. (laughs) So how was it, Intimates? Did you love something you heard or maybe you're upset by something I said? Leave your comments on Facebook.com slash Intimate Interactions or you can go to Patreon.com slash Victor Salmon where you can find our Discord server. All of these communities are available on IntimatePodcast.com, and I genuinely look forward to speaking with you soon. If you liked it, please consider helping us pay for show costs over at Patreon for as little as $1 per month. It's incredibly helpful. It's just a dollar a month. If you can afford it, we would hugely appreciate having your support. And hey, if that doesn't work for you, I completely understand. You can also help out by going to leave a review on iTunes or other favorite social media platform. Social proof like that helps so much with visibility and audience building. It helps other intimacy and relationship nerds find us. And if any of that just sounds like too much work, you can always do something really simple and it still goes a long way. Something like just tapping share and sending an episode that you liked, maybe a favorite, to a friend or partner, or maybe you can send them something you think they might really like. That's probably more considerate. Thanks so much for your time and for your help in keeping us making more of Intimate Interactions. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. The intro music was Driving in the Rain by Timecrawler, and this outro music is Acoustic Blues by Jason Shaw.